Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. Today, I have Aaron with Safe and Home joining me for this podcast. And I'm actually really excited about this because I had the benefit of uh, watching a few of your YouTube videos just about your program and the technology that you're providing for our special needs individuals and, and families. And then as we've been sitting here talking, just kind of going over what we were going to podcast about, I'm even more jazzed about it than I was before. So <laughs> would you mind, Aaron, because you have actually only been technically in Washington. I mean, you, you were from Spokane, but your organization has only been in our state for actually just technically a month. So would you mind just introducing yourself sure. and then of course, safe and home and, and, and where it started from? Cause again, you're not from Washington. It's a new program that's coming to Washington state, uh, which is very exciting. It's long overdue, but then we'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah. So I'm Aaron Holthouse and I work um, in Spokane, the Spokane region, region one for the DDA and um, safe and home actually has been around for about 10 years. So they're in seven other states at the moment with plans to open up in all of the states. We are working on trying to make Washington state a tech first state. And that basically means you have to be offered the least restrictive type of support before, you know, you are, you're going to have a caregiver or 24 hours, you know? Um, so a lot of times what happens when we're working with case managers is you'll have a, an individual who's been living with their parents for their whole lives. Parents get older and now, now what? Now, what are they going to do? Yeah. And well, my so plan is to live forever. But as yeah. I've said, I'm still. <laughs> you keep having birthdays. I keep, I keep having birthdays. <laughs> I just had one this weekend. And it just really, it's like, darn it, I'm still trying. But you're right. I mean, yeah. that's the worst case scenario is, right. is that we keep procrastinating because, again, they've lived with us their entire life. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, something catastrophic can happen. And now you've got to, I guess, rapidly come up with a plan. Right. So, And so the cool thing about safe and home and remote support specifically is your, it's not just throwing assistive tech at a, at a, at a problem, right? Well, we, you know, we're, we're missing support here. We just need a little bit of extra this or that, you know, we don't come in and just have technology and, you know, like we're delivering a package from Best Buy and walking away. This is more, let's look at your PCSP. Let's work with your case manager, your guardian, your parents. What are your goals? Like maybe they're long-term, you know, maybe, your, your son is 14, but eventually you want him to live on his own. Well, he let's start that learning process. Let's start him working with remote support, getting used to touching that button on a tablet to call someone who's not there, but to be able to start that process of the learning and being able to rely on himself. Okay. I love that concept because one of the things that we struggle with, you know, as my listeners know, I have my son who's Caleb, who's 14 and he is, you know, very, very high level. He's, he's very capable, but he definitely needs a lot of supports, just reminding him to do certain things. And then there's Cooper, who's all the way on the other end of the spectrum, which is very, he's very impacted by his autism. So he requires 24 hour care. But what, what's funny about Caleb is, is that he, it takes a while for him to get comfortable with something so that he's willing that he trusts it and relies on it. So exactly what you're saying is, is that it gives them that time to learn. Like I'm going to 
remote, this remote someone and they're going to talk to me and mm-hmm. just have the confidence that like, okay, so this isn't a stranger and build that rapport yeah. long before it's then a necessity because he's living independently. And it's part of what his strategies are for independent living. The other thing that I love about this too is, is that, you know, it's funny because my Caleb is very much fine with technology. I've mentioned before in my house, you know, with the five kids, we have cameras inside our house, outside our house. Mm-hmm. I joke that mostly the cameras are there because I caught, I catch my neurotypical teenagers doing naughty things. And it's more so for that. Caleb actually uses it because he forgets things or he doesn't remember where he sat something down and he'll want me to go back and look at the cameras to see if maybe the camera will tell him where he left something because he's very absent-minded. So I think that in some aspects of uh, just with the assistive technology, I think that there are a lot of benefits, but I know some people are listening and they're mm-hmm. thinking, ooh, camera. That's very invasive. So before you start getting prickly or concerned (laughs) about the invasiveness of this, let's talk a little bit about it's not just planting cameras in every corner of your house so that you can monitor them like my like I do in my house. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't worry, I don't have them in bedrooms or in the bathrooms. But, you know, I've caught little girls sneaking into my house at night and you know boys we were kids to, once too I know. we and know the tricks see, and that's what I keep trying to tell them it's like you know what like I did all of these things yeah. why do you think the cameras are strategically placed I mean but mm-hmm. in, alas they're still not smart enough to get around the cameras but some of the assistive technology they're not cameras at all that's right we actually try not to use cameras I mean that's like a last resort it totally is a last resort And it doesn't have to go to us. We don't have to use the cameras. We don't have to have access to the cameras. So um, so there's two aspects to safe and home remote supports. You have the remote support side, which is people, right? 24-7, they're always there. And then Caleb or whoever would know and have that control and that comfort knowing nobody's in my house. Somebody rang the doorbell. I don't know who it is. I heard a noise, whatever. Just knowing that I can push a button, one button on this tablet. All other apps are disabled, so there's no... Um, you know, getting confused of what button to push. And sure. so because people are worried about that. Well, how do you teach them? Well, it's one button. Yeah, there's you know, really no other option. There's That's it. And then you have that person on the it's other called end. called guided access on iPads. It's yeah. a delightful thing. If parents don't know about it, I ex- I really <laughs> would highly recommend you check out guided access on an iPad because it locks out all the things you don't want your kids you getting access to. It's a, it's, I love it. You right. can tell that I'm a big fan. I would like to use it on my father-in-law if you're listening. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about, locking him out of some of his news um you know, apps that he gets getting riled up up about. I'm like, you know, I'm going to turn your device into (laughs) a guided access. But but the cool thing about that now is that say, for instance, somebody rang the doorbell, Mm -hmm. that would be a a scenario I could totally see because Caleb is afraid of his own shadow. So is that something then how would that what would you expect a call like that to happen? So you press the button on the iPad Mm -hmm. through guided access. So there's no other option. And then someone comes on and talks to him. I almost think of it as like the kit car from like Knight Rider. I'm aging myself a little bit because it's almost I have this like, song in my head now. Oh my gosh. I can I, just, I would sing it, but I am on a podcast. Yeah. So we'll won't. see. No, I know. <laughs> but see, that's kind of what I envision. It's just this like cool yeah. person that's just going to be like, oh hey Caleb, how's mm-hmm. it going? And and then hey, yeah. I heard an awkward. I think there's something outside. What would that look like then? For- well it's not a call tree, you know, like when you call Comcast and oh, you're yes. like on the phone forever and then you have no idea who you're talking to next yes. and then you have to kind of complain before you get a person. Yes. So can this I speak is- to your manager yeah. please? <laughs> totally. So this is actually I mean when when somebody when an individual calls our remote support team who are specially trained so they have ACT training which is acceptance commitment you're helping they're helping them focus on the right now because a lot of the individuals we're working with have had trauma in their lives sure. right a very large chunk of them 
are have had traumatic experiences or still are to this day. And um, and so we our team, our remote support team has ACT training to kind of focus right now. Um, and let, tell me what you're looking at. Tell me, you know, how and because they're PCSP, their person centered service plan is going to come up on the screen or um, other assessments, behavioral health. We also have a behavioral health specialist that we work with our remote support team, um, because this isn't just about okay, we're talking to you. Okay, you're fine. You're Don't worry. Everything's fine. Got to yeah. go hang, hanging up the phone. Yeah. So one of the videos on our YouTube channel is of Chris. And so Chris talks about how, and he doesn't really go into it, but there's other videos of him that have nothing to do with Safe and Home that, um, that I've watched that are on YouTube as well. And he was living on his own. He, his, his mom didn't want him to, but he's like, I'm fine, mom. I'm, I'm yeah. fine. Oh, that's totally me, yeah. Caleb. I'm going to, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm moving out. And she was like, all right, fine. And he and it didn't go well for him. Um, so he, there was visitor safety issues. Yeah. And letting people in, people taking advantage, taking of advantage him. of him. Yeah. And um, not good friends. We're talking about that in right. another podcast is when you have like yes. leeches and bad influences. And you want to have a friend so yes, bad exactly. that you don't care who it is. Exactly. And and so anyways, he had to move back home. And so his his case manager, which is called an SSA in Ohio, uh, she was like, okay, let's try some safe and home stuff. So he does have cameras. So sometimes people watch the Chris video and they're like, that's a lot of cameras. Chris wanted the cameras. Yeah. So what that's happens is person-centered planning, person-centered. He yeah. gets it. He wants it. He gets it. And I mean, and obviously if it's, if we're trying to say, Hey, this is what we're going to do and they don't want it. It's not going to work out very well. No. They're going to throw it in the garbage. Yeah. So we're not trying to do something they don't want. They're going to be like my naughty teenagers and try and dismantle cameras yes. and damage them. And yes, yep. totally How gonna... hard is that? Yeah. You get, get a yeah. broom and you knock it off the wall. Totally. So we aren't trying to do something that they don't want. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes it is for the parents. Sometimes it's the parents that are like, I just need two hours a day Two two hours. I just want to go to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, and, and not have to worry. I don't want somebody in my house or I had a bad experience with somebody and they stole things or, you know, whatever. Sure. So this way you can have the technology itself. We don't try to get into it because it's super boring. But if if you have an example, we can talk about like what the solution would be. We don't talk about tech. Um, we have a lot of it. So if Caleb talk was, about the solution, sure. But so if Caleb had wanted a camera on the outside so that someone can see, he mm -hmm. can see who yes. is actually outside, that would be an option for him because I know that that would give him a lot of comfort. Right. Now, with our son, Cooper, one of the things that we struggle with is, is that, you know, I can only stay awake for so many hours before like my eyes just do not mm -hmm. want to stay open anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you're reasonably certain that he's asleep. It looks like he's asleep. He's covered because he always covers his he tents his head because of visual um, stimulation. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming that he's asleep. And then as soon as I close my eyes, it's kind of like the teenagers do this, too. It's like as soon as they are reasonably certain that I am asleep, then the inmates are trying to make a jailbreak. And <laughs> so but with Cooper, a lot of times he just stays in his room. And so you wouldn't know if he's up or how much is up. So like, you know, I make a note in his log that, okay, he went to bed at this time and I'm fairly certain, okay, at 1132, you know, presumably he's asleep. I can't see because he's all like covers up his face. Mm -hmm. But unless something big happens, I assume he slept through the night. And because um, usually by the time I wake up, he looks like he's still asleep and I'm waking him up. Well, if only you knew that like my teenager will say, oh yeah, like I walked into the bathroom and Cooper was like just hanging he scared the death out of me because he's just he was in the bathroom at three o'clock just like pacing back and forth and it's mm -hmm. like how much is he doing that but I don't realize that's that he's up or in his room just you know stimming and you know pacing back and forth because again usually 
by about four o'clock in the morning, he gets tired. Now he's in bed. Well, yeah. guess what? We're up at six because we got to get to school. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, behavioral issues, different things like that. And so, of course, I only have journal entries for his waking hours, like my, I should say my waking hours. So what could be a strategy that you would suggest in that in light of kind of those circumstances? Because our behavior texts have always said, if we only knew how much he's actually sleeping, it would really be able to give us more data to know, is this just him being tired Mm -hmm. now with that, I don't know what we would do because I still can't be up all night long to make him go to sleep. But, um, so what would it look like for us to be able to track some of that activity? So just off the top of my head, it would be a bed sensor. So you have a sensor like on your bed so that you would know if he was getting up or not. And now let's say he wasn't living with you. So you can look back on that. Like the, the, the reports that we have with motion sensors, bed sensors, stove, like if somebody left a stove on, that's my friend's oh um, my problem. Goodness. She she can't sleep because her son also is up all night and she thinks her house is going to burn down. Well, so she, I know. have a lock on my kitchen door so okay, he can't access the kitchen because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he doesn't know how to use a toaster oven. So we have the yeah, one yeah. now. I mean, it shuts mm-hmm. itself off, but, you know, you just worry about all sorts of right. scenarios. Exactly. Yeah. And so specifically with that situation, we would have motion sensors. And so you can look back at the at the motion reports. You you So for every individual that's on um, safe and homes, whoever's, if, if, if oh, somebody's using, if somebody's using safe and home, right. Oh, yeah, if somebody's using, you have access to your, the portal basically. Oh, okay. okay. So you'd click on <gasps> oh. the portal for each person. So say t- two of your kids were on it, then they'd each have a separate one with a separate, um, password. So, yeah. Um, super high tech, um, very protected HIPAA, all that highly encrypted, Love very, it. yes. Bank, bank level security. Love um, it. and so, and, and, and also it's all protected. So let's say he does. Cooper rips it off the wall and throws it in the garbage. It's broken. Oh yeah, we're that replacing happens a it. Lot. Oh, okay, I mean, we've cause... had people steal, sell, um, you know, for cigarettes, whatever. You know, oh, like th- that's yeah. the thing. You're it's 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 a monthly thing that you're paying for. You're paying for the service. You're paying for more than just a piece of equipment. Because I will tell you, if you just want your own ring camera, just go to Best Buy and get it, or Amazon or whatever, because it's going to be cheaper. Sure. So with us you're getting those reports so you can look back in them historically and be like, oh, okay, here, I can see that he was up 10 times that night yeah, or it, trying to get into the kitchen. Yes. Or, or you would say, Hey, safe and home remote support team. I want you to be on call uh, from this time to this time, because I want to sleep yes. and I don't want to wake up. And if, if he gets into the toaster or whatever, I want you to call him on his tablet. Oh. Um, and then we can be like, Hey buddy, you know, what's going on? What do you do? And, and so, and you tell us basically our notes are, you know, what does he like to talk about? You know, what is his line of communication? What, what to say, what not to say, you know, how does he communicate? Because not everybody's verbal. So we have yes. people, um, on the spectrum who are using, um, speech devices. So it's, it's very different for each person. So, you know, but for your going back to your situation, cause I keep digressing. Oh no, it's fine. This Motion is- sensors. And a bed sensor. Okay. So you're going to know where he went, what time it was. Was he in bed? Was he not in bed? Yes. So that's, you know, and then probably a door sensor because you want to know, like you would probably say, hey, I don't care if he's up walking around, but safe and home. Uh, we call my phone if the back door opens and you see him walk, walk oh, away. My okay. Goodness. So like there's certain situations where we would say, um, we're going to call you and say, okay, so what happens if this happens? So because people ask us, well, what do you do in this situation? What do you do in that situation? Well, you you tell us what what do you want us to do in that situation? If your front door opens at 3 a.m., that could be normal because he smokes at 3 a.m. Oh, sure. That might not be normal. 
and you want us to wake somebody up yeah. and be like, because we're not there, right? Yeah. It's remote. We're not yeah. there. So who are we working with if we do need a person? And who are we going to call and in what order and, you know, things like that. So Wow, this is very elaborate then. So now, of course, general, please. This sounds very sophisticated, but also very expensive. Like I want it in my life. Like, um, but so how because again, now I have to say now hindsight being 2020, I actually have seen smart home technology through are you familiar with the autism housing network? No. So it's really a lot of dif- different housing and living models for individuals with autism and other disabilities. And so it's, you know, it could be anywhere in the United States or even overseas where you have different housing options. And so then what they do is they research it, they get information on what it looks like, how it's structured, how it's funded. And then you can go to their website and you can look at different, you get really kind of a roadmap for it. But one of the options that they have talked about is safe home, like home technology, so that that way there's a little level of independence with mm-hmm. safe home technology. You can, you know, have sensors on your stove so you know if it's been turned on or it was left on and it knows, notifies you. So I've known about this type of technology for a long time where they're creating these smart homes because there's a few models out there that have these crazy homes that are smart. And it allows really a whole different level of independence for individuals. And so I was like, man, could you imagine like this would be incredible. But funding is always the thing that it goes back to. Smart homes are have proven to be it's the least restricted environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yet I think to myself, man, I wonder what the the price tag and how do families get this funded? So we're going to talk about that now. Now. It's not been easy because we live in Washington state and Washington likes to create challenges where perhaps instead of just learning what other states are doing and just taking that model and working with that model, it seems like what happens in Washington is, is that, hey, that's a great idea. We should do it here, but we're going to tweak it and do it our way. Well, the right. problem is when we tweak it and do it our Washington way, we're creating some barriers. And so it's not been easy, uh, which is probably why it's just been in the last month that you've been able to come to Washington and now have a presence. So let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the big funder for you guys is, of course, our favorite DDA. Um, yeah, the DDA (laughs) waiver. So, um, and that I'm guessing probably has some obstacles. So let's talk a little bit about what that is. If a family was interested in, um, whether it's remote support, because you could just do remote support and set up where the person can hit the button, call, ask questions. And then we do a, a a person centered plan and kind of talk through, you know, like here's, you know, um, things to suggest, things to avoid, you know, trigger things. So there's that aspect of it. And is that covered through DDA? So yeah, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't it's, matter if it's assistive technology or... There's, yeah, there's two umbrellas, right? There's okay. the assistive tech and then there's remote support. Um, remote support, you're, you are working with some technology um, in MPERS, mobile personal emergency response device, which most people, like if you can picture it in your head, it's the I've fallen and I can't, can't get up, get up. Thing, That's right? exactly what I was going to say. But it's different. Um, it's actually more like a walkie-talkie. It sure. looks like that. You wear it. Um, but then you have some some people have the tech, the um, are versed to having something hanging around their neck. Sure. So and it's can, not an option in a watch or anything like that? Uh, it is, but it's kind of big and clunky. Oh, oh, okay. So, and, and then you have, it, it's one of those, like, you know, how, um, how likely are they to use it? Who's going to charge it? Um, but the good thing about the M purse, well, let's talk about funding first before I start going off down rabbit holes, because I will do that all day long. So yeah, waivers. And so we're working on other funding sources. Right. So basically, when we're talking to people like um, we're working with people 
um, who work with traumatic brain injuries, they are not on waivers. So we're working with uh, the life care planners and, you know, they're going through court cases. And so that funding will come from somewhere else. Sometimes it's a grant. So it's basically what is the funding source for the providers right now? What's being done right now? And then, okay, can we bill that entity or are we using waivers or is it private pay? So there's no, there's, there's nothing saying we can't help someone because their funding is different from another. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point, yes, the DDA waivers are, are restrictive. There's not a lot in the budget. So really like the whole purpose of safe and home, it's very person centered and, you know, you really want to do the sensors and the, and uh, the, the bed sensor, and you want to know all these things, but how it's gone so far in the last month is we're finding that there's really not a lot left over in those waivers for everything that an individual would want. And so what we've been doing is the, the basic program that you're going to have. Okay. Okay. So it's going to be basically everyone's going to have a tablet and or an Empers. Okay. okay. So and that's the walkie talkie, around the walkie talkie around your neck or stick it in the pocket or whatever. And, and, and you have to want to use it. Right. So it's, sure. it, or you're going to, going to leave it on the counter all the time. Yeah. So is it something that, you know, maybe we remind the person to put it around their neck or in their pocket before they leave the house to go to work or to school or whatever. It also has GPS. So if they push a button, you know where that person is. Mm. So there's that in itself. But it only works if you push the button. It only works if you push the Well, okay. you can find out where the person is. Oh, okay. Yeah, anytime. Um, sure. There's also, uh, this is also a touchy subject with the ombuds in our state, is the geolocation is also on the emperors. So the emperors can be an emergency button, a phone, and a geolocation. You can put a fence around a certain area. Mm-hmm. If my son leaves school and walks away... I, I, he's not allowed to go outside of this perimeter. I want to be alerted. Yes. So it's kind of like that. Yeah. But it's and also cell-based. So. Yeah. yeah. So, and there's some opposition to that type of technology because, again, it yes. seems as though it is, it's invasive. Right. And yet, when we're talking about the most person-centered planning you can have that's the least restrictive, that really is actually you're giving them Their some freedom. freedom yes. But within boundaries, which, yes. again, you know, we are talking about, for our purposes, individuals on the autism spectrum. And so we want them to live as independently as possible. But there, ha- there are some limits, of course to, you know, where and when they're leaving their home again, three o'clock in the morning, probably not a great idea, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, totally different, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, so it gets a little bit oppositional in some circles, because again, we're talking about big brother and um, creating that sense of privacy invasion. And again, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not here to debate that we, you know, perhaps at a later time, we can, you know, talk about the issues related to that. But we're really talking about creating as much independence Absolutely. As possible in the least restrictive environment. And this is really that opportunity to have that. And DDA, depending on your waiver, mm-hmm. can fund some of the equipment. Now, question for you. Is this something where you own the equipment outright? So after it's purchased, like if I purchase, you know, the iPad and the sensors, then I own it? Or is it a, every single year you're having? Is it like you're leasing the equipment? You are. It's basically a lease. And the reason for that is because it's all tied into our system, right? So you have that bank level security. You have everything talking to each other, creating those reports and also connecting to remote supports and to our field service techs. And if it's broken, lost or stolen, we're replacing it. And a lot of times we're coming out to replace them anyways, because we update things so often. So we don't, that's another reason we don't really talk about the tech is there's so many pieces, but they're also updated all the time. And we change things and add things and 
So there's never, it's basically like, what's, what would you like the solution to be? Where is there a gap in care? Where would you like a little bit of extra support? Okay, here's what we have. Here's what we would do. Would that make an incremental change in the independence of the person? And so, yes, with what we've been doing in Washington state so far is an MPERS and a tablet or one or the other Mm -hmm. and two hours of remote support a day. It doesn't have to be, well, only from 10 to 12. It's basically, we're calling it passive support. Mm -hmm. You push the button whenever you want. Sure. So you're just going to push the button when you need us and we'll answer the phone every single time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're always going to know that if you push that button or on your MPERS that we will pick up. So you, so they need, they have that feeling of knowing that they're protected if they are afraid to go out or if something does happen or if they want to live on their own or if they want to take it to work when DVR is done with you know, their the vocational rehab, they're going to be able to still call us. Sure. What was I supposed to do again? When was, you know, or we can call in and be like, hey, it's your break time, you know, things like that. So gotcha. Okay. So here's a couple of scenarios. One of the biggest frustrations that a lot of our families have is, is that a lot of us parents are actually working. And when your child gets to a certain age, you don't go to daycare centers anymore. And yet they don't necessarily have programs after school that are really developmentally designed or appropriate for our kiddos that are on the autism spectrum. So a lot of times we would need them to go home, but there's going to be a gap between the time that, you know, they get home from the bus and then the time that mom walks in the door. Mm -hmm. So with this type of technology, is it possible to actually set up using some of this assistive technology? Maybe maybe it's motion sensor mm-hmm. sensors so that mom who's still working can see that the front door, you know, is the, there's a motion detector that they're in the door. And then my next question would be is what if you had a young kiddo that actually has like meds that they need to they can self care, but they just need a gentle reminder that, hey, it's three o'clock, you need to you know, take your afternoon med. Is that something that that could be part of uh, some of this remote assistance as opposed to them pushing the button to get help? Yeah. Is it something where they could actually get a reminder that, you know, hey, just checking in to make sure, you know, you're home. That's great. But, you know, did you take your meds? Yeah, absolutely. So there's passive support and active support. Okay. So active will be, we need you remote support to call in at certain times, make sure they're okay. Remind them to take meds, whatever it is. Did you get a snack? Because otherwise you? they get hangry. Right. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. yeah. What are you eating? Yes. You know, things like that. Um, because there, there's so many different situations. We have someone in another state who, who does eat raw chicken, but we cannot, human rights cannot put a lock on the fridge, oh. uh, right? Because it's their right to open the fridge and have food. Yeah. So, so how do we stop them from eating the raw chicken? Um, you know, aside from what I'm thinking, which is take the raw chicken out of the fridge, but that's, yeah. that's not my, that's not my business. We eat frozen pizzas because right. he, before we're working on a toaster oven that shuts itself off, you know, yes. however, um, yeah. So very regularly we will be, um, yeah. having to find, um, him eating a frozen pizza out of the freezer. So yeah. I mean, again, not raw chicken, very sure. happy that it's not raw chicken, but, um, yeah, it's frozen pizza. There's Super awesome. no, there's no right or wrong way to do anything. It's just, what would you like? We'll tell you how, what we can do with what we have. Um, and then it's covered by the waivers. Uh, so yeah, so we, we can call in with active support and remind them to do whatever it is, or we can do the passive. They can push the button whenever they want to call. Um, but like you were saying in the first question, which was, you know, mom and dad are at work, kids come home. I mean, the bus drops them off right in yeah. front. I mean, you think it would be, you know, like they're going to want to go in the house you just need some confirmation that they're there. Mm-hmm. Just also just kind of some motion. Support, oh, absolutely. That was my whole year of COVID. I yeah. totally understand. Yeah. You know, which is why I had cameras all over the house, yeah. you know, because my kids didn't have cell phones and, you know, and I was working and yes. so, yeah, I don't know if they made it home and 
anyways. It's so yeah, I totally get it. So, so I'll give you a real example of someone in Ohio. So, and he's on the spectrum. He comes home and there's multiple children in the house, but mom just is worried about him. Yes. So when he comes in, it's part of his routine, right? He's very into his routine. Open the door, go to the fridge because I'm going to eat food. But before I open the fridge, I'm going to push this button. When I push the smart button, it's going to let my mom know that I'm okay. Okay. If the button does not get pushed, that's when we are going to reach out and be like, hey, button wasn't pushed. So it basically, you would know as mom, I don't have to worry unless Safe and Home calls me because this is what I have told them. I want that button pushed. It's going to be around this time. If it's not pushed, give me a call or try to call him or look on the ring doorbell, make sure they came in, you know, did you see him walk in the door or whatever? So, so there's different things for, I mean, we have, um, another individual on the spectrum who lives with an abuse, his, his, his dad's abusive. And so this is more of a security thing, right? Where we, we were told, Hey, let us know when he's in the house. So the son will push the button. It has three different, the smart button. So you can do one push, two fast pushes or a long push. Dad comes home and he pushes the button. My dad's here. Dad says, what's that for? He's like, oh, it turns on the lights. Double tap, lights come on. Double tap, lights go off. So he doesn't know. Sure. So there's so many different things that you can do with technology. It's crazy. But um, but like I said, yes, it's it's covered under the waivers. But can you get it? Like I said, it, you would have to want the whole system. You would have to want um, remote support, the reports, the case, the motion sensors, like you would want to have more than just a piece of technology. Oh, sure. Um, otherwise you would just, it would be cheaper to just get it off Amazon. So sure. it's more, um, you know, and you can start small. It's so like start off with a tablet and then work your way to more or, you know, more check-ins or, you know, we have an individual who doesn't like his mom telling him to brush his teeth. Hmm. So, you know, we call him and talk about brushing teeth. You, know, you yeah. don't want your mom to bug you, right? Yeah. So, you know, let's brush. And and the way that they, they're not directive. They don't talk in a paternalistic tone. Like, it's not like, this, this is what you need to do, you know, um, because we want them to want to do it. Like, let's learn. Let's give them that choice to fail. Sometimes yeah. they're going to fail. Yeah. But how do you learn? We all fail, right? Like you were saying with the toaster oven. So a lot of the people on our caseloads are learning how to use a microwave, for example. Burnt the popcorn. Fire alarm goes off. The loud noises are bad, right? And so that's another thing with some of the tech that we have because about 40% of the caseloads in Washington state are um, autistic. And so you have that sensitivity to noises or flashing lights. We have things that make noises and have flashing lights, but we have things that don't. Yes. And they'll just alert you. They'll just go text you that something's going on, you know, or let us know and then we can reach out. So there's just a million different ways because it really does matter what the person wants. But like I said, what we're doing here is um, two hours of remote support a day with a tablet and an Empers. Um, and, but it, because it's, it's just as different as your phone is different from my phone. We mm-hmm. both use it for the same things, but we have different apps. We have different reasons we're using it. So it's same with the tablet. We're still, each person is calling in for a different reason, or we're calling them for a different reason. They're all learning different things and they're growing and they're, they're, they're moving out or going to school or their lives change and they change. So the plans will change. 
Sure. And so, so then once a year, it's like reviewed or every six months or whenever as necessary. As necessary. Wonderful. Yeah. So. so it sounds like the best option is for those families that are interested in this and they actually have a waiver. The best thing really to do is you kind of almost have to work backwards. Like mm-hmm. here's our waiver. So that tells us how much funding we have. And then what's kind of like the hierarchy of most essential needs of what's the most important. And then working down from there as the because, you know, there's only so much funding available. And it sounds like then every single year with your your waiver, because you're just continuing service, it's not like next year, oh, well, next year we can add X, Y, and Z because we're going to have, you know, more money in our waiver mm-hmm. because really you're just leasing the equipment and then having the service. So it wouldn't necessarily be that way unless you change waivers and then you could access more funds. Right. Um, but that's really probably the best way of doing it is, is that kind of, you know, be thinking about you know, like I always like prioritize what's the thing that is causing the most challenge. And then let's see if we can figure out a way to make those numbers work Mm -hmm. and get that support. So I'm guessing that there are a lot of families out there that may not. So my son, Caleb doesn't have a DDA waiver. So, but there are other options where sitting down with someone at safe and home, you could work through different options. that might be still financially affordable for a family if they don't have a waiver or, and I have to assume that as this technology catches on and Washington get, we get, we get out of our own way in Washington stakes. I feel like we get in our own way, trying to do things our own way that to actually create bigger barriers that maybe perhaps there's going to be some other options that will come open for families that I mean, my my goal is, is that Caleb is just very capable young man, but he's just an absent minded professor. I mean, he'll be the first one to tell you it's like, you know, it's just I keep telling myself I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. And then, of course, you know, if I fall asleep before he does and I don't come in there and tell him to turn off the video game, then he next thing he knows, it's like three o'clock in the morning. And it's one of those things where he needs a gentle reminder that is not mom staying up till God only knows when at night. You know what I'm saying? And so I really feel like, you know, there's a certain amount of him being able to live his best life Mm -hmm. in the least restrictive environment, living very independently, but still having some supports that are not his siblings when I'm gone. Right. Again, still working on my strategy to live for forever. Um, I mean, I've even thought about recording little like videos that I could just, you know, have like play as like I, Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Like Ferris Bueller. It's <laughs> like, exactly. Um, but so are there, I'm guessing that there's still strategies for families. You still work for families that are private paying, and then there's hopefully going to be more opportunities to find additional sources to support families. Right. And uh, and the other States where we are already, um, Medicaid does pay for remote support. And the reason for that is because it's $6 and 88 cents an hour, $6 and 88 cents an hour. Granted they're on call, right? We're not going to, we have to, we have to make sure that we're staffing for appropriate times. And that we, had, we do have enough people there to answer the phone every time somebody calls. So it's 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 billed $6.88 an hour. It could be passive. So you say, oh, I, I don't know when he's going to call you. So we're just going to do two hours a day. And so you have that. Uh, but yes, we are hoping to get on CFC, which is Community First Choice in Washington State. It's an entitlement. Um, the caregivers portion, like that's the, that's the monies that are, co- that are covering for caregivers, right? Well, we came in here under emergency basis with COVID because... There's no caregivers. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. And, and so basically what we're doing is saying, well, you can have a caregiver or nothing. And so Safe and Home came here thinking, oh, okay, well, we will be that 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 extra cushion of support if something happens. My, my work wife over in Seattle went to go um, install her equipment and um, she was supposed to work with the, the provider, the caregiver that was showing up and saying, okay, well, here's what you do. Make sure you charge it. Here's how it works. And we're passing off, right? So it's remote support from safe and home. 
And then as the caregiver gets there, you know, we can say, okay, hey, you're there. Okay, great. And but they didn't show up. Yeah. And the the feelings like of of uh, my my partner over there, like just watching that individual's face just drop. Like she doesn't want to be with me. She doesn't want to be here. Like it's not just like somebody didn't show up. Yeah. It's personal. Why it don't is. you want to show up? Why don't you want to hang out with me? Yeah. And so when she gave her the tablet and they called and someone picked up and they knew who she was and they knew what she wanted to talk about and and what her dog's name was and, you know, her favorite sports team, whatever it is, like the, the feeling of having somebody there that cares about you, yeah. that's there all the time. You don't have to worry about if they show up or not. There was a study that was done that says that um, individuals in the IDD world have in a 10 year span, 155 different caregivers coming into their house. Yep. Because 155. And the turnover is just ridiculous. I mean, we, we are still doing ABA with Cooper and just the number of behavior texts that we've gone through in the short time, like just in the one Mm -hmm. little over a year that we've been doing it is still, I mean, he's, I think this is, we're going on our fifth in just a year, a fifth behavior tech in just in 12 months. I mean, and so it doesn't surprise me yeah. that, and that's not even personal care time. Right. Because right now all of family members are providing all the personal care hours because he requires 24 hour supervision. I mean, at home, yeah. you know, he's in his room and we're presumably assuming that he's asleep, although obviously he's not if we're mm-hmm. getting reports that he's in the bathroom um, at three o'clock in the morning, who knows how long he'd been in there before yeah. somebody got up and just about had a heart attack finding him in the bathroom. But, and that's kind of, and so here's my question is, is that, you know, for again, Cooper, it's so hard because, you know, Cooper is 18 years old an 18 year old is entitled to stay home alone, but like we have never left our home to even go to the store right. without either taking him with, which, you know, that could either be good or bad if he's deciding he wants to go with that moment or you're bribing him yep. or, you know, it's like forced or, you know, it's screw it. We're just not even going to go. We don't need to go to the store. Like who cares about eating or needing that, you know, thing yeah. that you're going to need for tomorrow. And those are the choices you have to make. And then the other thing that kind of sucks too, is, is that sometimes then siblings become almost chained to their sibling, because if I have to work, then I need to make sure one of the kids is home because there's going to be a span of time. And that's really detrimental. We know to the mental health of our siblings. So is this something with the technology that's available and the wraparound services you can get, depending on what funding the DDA waiver that you have, you know, is it, is there, I mean, is it safe or would you get pushback from like, you're talking about neglect and supervision. Um, Is that considered suitable supervision for some of these individuals on the spectrum and meeting those requirements and and needs for, for people with disabilities? Does that make sense versus having CPS on your, on your door? Because we get turned into CPS Mm -hmm. a lot because people don't understand. And um, you know, people can do an anonymous report for whatever reason and it's really disheartening. And so families are just real, afraid and timid Mm -hmm. to take advantage of this because we certainly don't want to create any grounds for CPS coming in and potentially taking our children. So um, how does that work? And with this type of technology? Well, so it's going to, it's different for every person, right? And, and I'm sure, you know, like you said, and well, I've heard a lot of times, you know, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. So for, for us, and I guess it depends on the funding source. So if, if you are funding through the DDA waivers, it does have to be approved by the case resource manager. And so part of what I do is make the proposal. Here's the goals. Here's why we're there. And then send it over to the case manager. They get it approved. So, for instance, just kind of like um, in the same vein that you were talking about, my the first person I have here on supports in Spokane, the mom is a nurse 
and her son has Down syndrome and she gets called into work a lot because there's there's a shortage of nurses right now, too. And she has to go through and this is not planned because when she's called in, she's called in. Right. It wasn't something scheduled. And so she has to go through every member of her family to see who can come over and hang out with him. Yeah. Well, my husband's a firefighter, so he gets called out yes. in the middle of the night. I mean, assuming that I'm home and I'm not on a trip or something, right. it creates that problem where it, you know, he can't take call. He has to find, you would have to have someone staying there with him. Right. I mean, we can't even go to the doctor when he's on call because he gets paged out. And then it's like, ha mm-hmm. just kidding. You yeah. know? Yeah. So, yeah. So to have that extra support, yeah, there might be some days you don't use it at all. Yeah. And there's some days you're going to overuse it. We're not going to say, well, you've used up your two hours today. I mean, no, they're going to answer every single time yeah. because there are times that you're not using it. Yeah. And there's times that you do. And there's times that we need to fill in for that caregiver that didn't show up. And we're just going to stay on the clock and make sure that they're safe. And we're going to watch, you know, just it's so fluid and there's no right or wrong way to do it. And so, but well, let's talk about the wrong way. So you were saying, you know, you don't want CPS showing up. Yeah. So um, again, if it's the DDA, they're getting it approved and it's part of their goals and it's giving them extra support. It's not taking anything away. Yes. Um, And it's not anything that you are forced to stay on for any amount of time. Try it for a week and see what happens. So. um, Oh, so there's no contracts, if you will. No, no, no. Oh, well, that's amazing. No, because, yeah, we want to make it easy. And and being so new in Washington State, Washington State prides itself on being progressive. We are like way behind the eight ball here. Like we are way behind. I mean, where's where's that? If you go to if you go to Ohio, you have to be offered technology first. But here we're like, nope, caregiver or nothing. And that's what I was talking about with the funding and CFC. CFC is is the is the bucket the caregivers are getting paid from. And we aren't in that bucket. But if we're filling in for them, why aren't we in that bucket? We could do a lot more if we were. Yeah. Um, but what's going to have to happen is people are going to have to parents are going to have to say, hey, I want this. I yes. need I need this. My son has nothing. If I don't have a caregiver, I have to pay someone 30 bucks an hour instead of 688 an hour. Yeah. You know, if they don't actually need a person. And what would we want? Right. And so there's you know, we've pro- probably heard of dignity of choice. Like yes. you should have the right to make a mistake yes. to, you know, but you want to have, you want to know as a parent that that mistake isn't burning in the house down. Oh, okay. Yes. So let's put some, you know, smoke alarms and sensors in the house. So you're not being recorded, but we do know what's happening and we will be alerted if there's smoke or if the stove was left on and it's just a heat sensor and we'll be alerted and we can turn it off remotely. Yeah. Um, so there's just so many different things that you can do, but you're giving an individual that choice to learn from their mistakes so that they can move out someday. Yes. So that they can say, ah, yes. I mean, we learn from our mistakes all the time, right? So, well, and that's the thing too is, is that we're coming into a point where some of our families, you know, their kiddos are aging out at 21 from school. Well, mm-hmm. then guess what? One family member, one, you know, either you know, one spouse or the other, is then really having to contemplate like employment because yes. one person's going to have to stay home um, or work crazy hours where you're alternating. So then you never see your significant other, and that's a lot of what's happening because there's no other option options um, because you don't get enough personal care hours in order to fill those gaps. And so that's where I feel like this could be really helpful for some families. So my final question I'm going to ask is I'm guessing since we're in Washington, we we need a little bit of reform and it would probably be helpful to have families um, supporting you in efforts to get more support when it comes to assistive technology and remote support. Um, so do you need families like testifying, reaching out to legislators? What does that look like in terms of trying to change the course of 
of what's happening in Washington, because I completely agree. Mm-hmm. We are so behind when it comes to we're so progressive in some areas. And again, you know, acknowledging, you know, some of these, you know, rights and freedoms. But on the other hand, too, is, is that this is an area that is really being undervalued and what type of freedoms it's going to be able to unlock for some of our individuals with IDD. So what could families be doing to support um, legislation or getting more funding allocated for the this type of service? Right. Well, first I have to back up because I said dignity of choice and it's dignity of risk. They have the choice to yes. <laughs> take a risk is what I meant to say. Um, okay. So we are um, working with the DDC. So um, the Developmental Disability uh, Council and um, their executive director, Jeremy Norton Paul, who he actually is, um, well, he had lived in Tennessee for a while and where we currently are, Safe and Home is in Tennessee. He saw, you know, what we could do there. And he's, so he's a huge advocate for us. And so he's really helping us get out there and he's working with the legislature. So um, it, for for him, it's it's more giving people the choice and not having to say, well, I have a waiver and I only have so much and I can't have this and that. I have to have this or that. Yeah. Um, and then even then it's very limited to what you can do. So we can't make it as person-centered as we'd like. Yeah. Um, even even though it would save the state thousands of dollars. Oh, yes. I mean, this is well, crazy. And I have to be honest with you. It's not awesome having to have so many people in and out of our house when it comes to, mm-hmm. I mean, just when the number of hours you have with behavior techs and BCBAs coming in. And then again, you need person. I mean, you're having, it's like a revolving door for some families. Right. And, um, so I completely agree it, it shouldn't be either, or it could be this and that, or, um, so, and that's kind of what I, I feel like families need to know, like, what's the call to action here to get people to understand that we need more opportunities like this, that's funded through some of the programs that are out there, Mm -hmm. um, and, and taking away some of the red tape because, Let's be real. We're all tired. We're exhausted parents. And so to have to go through all the red tape to get some of these things funded and covered through our our DDA waivers is just, you know, are you willing to do the fight? And so, you know, if there's things that we can be doing and a call to action to have families start doing stuff to try and help some of these conversations take place, we definitely want to make sure we're encouraging it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, getting people on services so they can see. Yeah. Um, or at least getting interest out there. So for the the families to say, this is what this is what we want, um, because at this point, it's so new. Like basically right now, what we've been doing is we have a weekly class for the case resource managers because, um, you know, I had somebody um, call me and it was a case manager and she was like, so I have someone who wants remote supports and she told me about you guys. She's like, I have no idea what you are. Well, if you're oh, believe me, I'm going to be talking you know? to our case worker and be like, hey, I first, so. first Anna has to edit this podcast. And then her husband <laughs> needs to listen to it. And then guess what? We're calling our case worker. Because- well, and there's so many people that we talk to that we can't help. And that is yeah. very frustrating because yeah. the, the amount of people in the DDA and then shrink that down to the amount of people on waivers and then shrink that down to the amount of money that's left on the waivers, you know, and it's like, oh, there's just so there's so much more we could do. And, you know, so when we're working with people from behavioral health, well, that's different. They're not on waivers or some of them are. Um, or or we had a fire department call us from um, it was either Kirkland or Redmond. I can't remember. And they were like, hey, we have people that are calling 13 times a day. Now they know if they say my husband's dead, that they have to, you know, they have to have all these different people and crisis intervention and all these other things. And so can you be that person to like, OK. And so, again, we're going to be like, well, where's the funding coming from? Can we bill that person? Um, and so really it's not, it's, it, we're really hoping that, you know, people like yourself, Holly and others will say, this is what you need to do. 
because we don't know, yeah. right? I'm not on your side. I'm not on the other side and, and seeing it like working with the case managers has been tough. And thank, thankfully, there's some really amazing ones that are like, here's what you need to do. We need to fix this. We need to do this. There's no, because we're in so many states and it's different in every state, there's no, you know, there's nothing that we can't do. You sure. know, we're not going to say, well, we can't do this. Or we can't do that. Um, the president of our company is just like, very flexible and let's see what we need to do. Like right now we're working with, you know, people in California um, who we, we're not even there, but he's like, look, I don't have caregivers and Medicaid's paying for them, whether they show up or not. And they're not showing up. Yeah. So he has like 60 shifts, you know, a month that are not covered. Yeah. Um, and he's liable for those hours. And so we're trying to now work with him and how can we get remote supports in there for those times that there's not someone there. Yeah. So it's it's not a matter of um, me saying this is what you need to do, but you guys telling me this is what you this is what we need you guys to do. Reach out to this person, do this, do that, because it's so different. And you being on the inside, looking out at the possibilities that can happen. Tell me what we need to do and we can work together. And well, this sounds like another little project for Holly. So I'm sure you know my <laughs> listens are going to be like, get on that, Holly, and let us know what that's going to look like. So maybe we, I should have even asked that question. So here's my last question. I mm-hmm. said that my last question was going to be my last question, but this one really is. If you, I'm just curious, if you had to pick um, of all the states that Safe and Home operates, um, which state is actually the least restrictive and actually the most supportive of this type of technology and support? Because again, we don't just have listeners in Spokane. We actually have listeners all over the world. So who knows? Maybe. So if you had to pick a state that you feel like is doing a pretty good job, which one is it? Because we do like to shout out and give like thumbs ups to different states. Yeah, absolutely. Ohio. Ohio. Sure. Good job, the, Ohio. Ohio's the best. Good job, um, Ohio. You know, they they have to there's there's about six or seven different remote support companies there. It's so popular. Oh, really? Yeah. We have no competition in Washington State, but also nobody knows what the heck it is. So yeah, so you guys are paving the way. And then once we're you get it all done, yeah. And then as soon as you guys get it all like mm-hmm. dialed in, then everybody, all your competitors are gonna come in and and change it up. Which, right, probably. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and what's really cool is um talking to people in Ohio. And um, and hearing their stories because we are more expensive than the other remote support companies. There's another company in California when we're talking to people there um, who they work with a company called Rest Assured. And Rest Assured only works, you know, from this hour to this hour. If something oh. happens that, uh, you know, outside of those hours, we're not, nobody's there. So, oh, you know, okay. and it's only at night. Oh, and um, and it's only cameras. And it's like, well, do you really think they're staring at cameras all day? And I mean, yeah. we would never do that. Yeah. First of all, nobody has the manpower to stare at a camera. I got to be honest day. with you. When Caleb, <laughs> when Caleb wants me to go back and look at the camera and figure out where he sat down his charger, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so tedious. Like, right. I just like yeah. internally cringe. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, let's try and use our eyes first. But then sometimes I'm like, dang it, I have to use the camera yeah. to go back and see if we can figure it out. And yeah. The cameras are really for, like I said, historic purposes. You're going to look back and say, you know, if you have roommates. Yeah. Hey, he's he said, she said, and, you know, exactly what what happens in my house. (laughs) What really happened? Like my husband says. There's his side, there's her st- side, and then there's the truth in the middle yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that's what I always say. The so, truth is always somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but so that's what the cameras are for. Yeah. Right? And so they're not going to be, nobody's watching them. Yeah. Nobody has that kind of manpower to sit and stare yeah. at a camera, nor do they want to. Yeah. And it's a human rights thing. Yeah. We're not going to do it. Unless you're the president of the United States. Yep. You're not getting your cameras <laughs> monitored, people. That's just right. a sad reality. Or it's a visitor safety thing, yeah. like with the Chris video. If you want to see yeah. what it's like to have cameras with Safe and Home, then you watch the Chris video. Sure. Um, so... 
you know, really, again, no right or wrong way. It's very fluid with every person because and it's person centered. It's not going to be a yeah. one size fits all approach. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure we will have you back on to do another podcast because as this develops and as more people are utilizing it, I'm sure more people will have questions and it would be great to get you to come back in and talk about what that looks like. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.